All right, welcome everybody to Unquestionable with Calvin Smith. I'm happy to have you guys back again. And uh, today I've got an awesome guest with you. I've got Mr. Larry Paul, the director of the American Institute of Pyramid Research. So hello, Larry, how are you doing today? Hello, nice to be with you. Thanks, Calvin. Yeah, absolutely, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to little old me. Um, I've been really interested in your, your research over the past, uh, I've only found you maybe maybe a week or two ago. I found you. I, I, commented on one of your your things on instagram was like whoa this guy's got some really cool evidence and information so i really need to get him on the show and talk to him about this kind of stuff so thank you again i really appreciate it sure um so could you tell me a little bit about um the american institute of pyramid research like what exactly do you guys do i understand it's a non-profit organization is that correct yeah it's a, it's a not profit non-profit think tank uh and research institute uh and we're uh chartered in tennessee and uh, used to be chartered in Illinois when I lived in Illinois. And when I moved to Tennessee, I just rechartered it here. So I've been studying uh, pyramids for decades, and especially focusing on Egypt and especially Giza. You know, I've been to obviously the other pyramids in Dashur, Saqqara, and uh, all throughout Egypt. And I uh, haven't really had the time, even though it's called the, uh, the American Institute for Pyramid Research, I haven't been to a lot of the other pyramids around the world in places that they are. So the, the main focus has been on Egypt, but as I have opportunity, I study, you know, in books and, and online about other pyramids, but I, I've spent my, I've taken eight expeditions to Egypt. So that's really where I put the focus. That's amazing. So, so when was the last time you were in Egypt? Were you there recently? Yeah. Yeah. I just came back, uh, a, a, uh, the end of April. Uh, we had the tour, the tour that I ran, I ran a tour from April, uh, it was 20 or 9th through 18th. It was the 9th through the 18th. And then I was, I stayed on for days ahead of time and days afterward to do individual uh, research projects. And even, even while I was doing the tour, I was able to find time to do some research too, because there's always a little downtime on the tour. Right, right. That's amazing. I'm always so jealous of people that have been to Egypt multiple times, let alone one time, because I've never been myself and it's, it's like my life dream to go there and actually like see the pyramids and the Sphinx in person. It's oh, one day soon, hopefully. But um, so what got you into um, pyramids and stuff? Like how long have you been kind of in this? this well, I've, I, I've, I've been in it uh, almost four decades. So I've been doing it since I was a young man and now I'm an old man. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Fair uh, but, uh, you know, we're, I've got a tour scheduled for uh, uh, for the end of October. So save right. up your pennies, Calvin, and come with me, you know. Uh, I know. I just, just was putting on the website uh, today some some. I haven't done this too much, but you know, kind of hype marketing. I, I I focus on research, and that's really where I am. But I did put uh, various comments that tourists with me have made, and so you know, pe people, uh, you know, because the magic is Egypt. I mean, I I like to believe that I'm value added too. That with my knowledge and context and things that I can really add to the experience. But Egypt itself, you know, provides uh, provides the magic. So. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of positive comments from people because, you know, it's, it's just, uh, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place. And I mean, the pe people who aren't just baffled by the pyramids, it's like, how are you not, you know, it's, it's just a gorgeous site. And I mean, there's so much mystery surrounding it. I mean, I could, I could talk about Egypt for hours, you know, and that's why I need, I need to get you on here because, because you're, you're the guy to talk to, I think. But um, so I've kind of been looking at some of like your YouTube videos um, and a little bit about your, like on your Instagram page. 
Yeah. So what kind of like new research, like have you found anything recently that um, is new to you that's really compelling and that's really isn't accepted by modern academia? Well, um, you know, anything I do is not going to be accepted by modern academia because uh, I'm, I'm an independent uh, research institute. Now, I, I have made presentations, unlike almost every other independent researcher, uh, I've made uh, two presentations at large Egyptological conferences, and that's because uh, my submission was uh, uh, blind reviewed. And so they don't know whether they're reviewing something from a high school kid or a professor at Harvard. Uh, they they accepted on the merits, so I was accepted on the merits. So in that sense, you know, I have rubbed shoulders with the, those big guys. But you 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 know that the that the, uh, that class of people is uh, you know they're, they're trained PhDs, and it takes a lot of money and time yeah. to get a PhD, and you have to uh, accept uh, you know a certain a certain amount of parameters that that I don't want to you know hold myself to. I do have three advanced degrees. I've got one in political science, uh, education, and theology. But uh, I, you know, the, especially for archaeology and Egyptology, I don't want to put the, the burdens on myself that they have to work under. Partly the, you know, the way they do uh, excavation, it's so, uh, you know, tiring in the sense, so exhaustive, you know, they sift through every layer of sand and, you know, identify these little objects. And I, I respect that as a conservative of science, you know, that, that's, that's one way to, to gather truth. But, you know, I use uh, theological, I use esoteric, I use... I'm don't even necessarily <clears throat> subject myself to the uh, uh, the the world of uh, strict forensics. You know, I go on intuition, hunch, the guidance of the Alpha and Omega, and those are things that an Egyptologist could never do. But although I have argued, uh, you know, I've got a, a YouTube video about there about uh, that I made in Egypt about uh, independent researchers and Egyptologists working together, sort of like the marketplace. Take the marketplace. I was from Chicago. You know, the Chicago Board of Trade is one of the largest markets in the world. You know, futures contracts are traded there. Uh, every commodity is traded there. And what is necessary for the market to go is you have to have, have uh, uh, speculators and then uh, those that are uh, you know, running conservative businesses, you're, you're Nabisco, you want to keep the price of cornflakes the same, you want to keep the price of sugar the same, right, right, you don't want your price at the store to be fluctuating. So you need the speculators, the people that buy and sell to make money, that they're not out to, you know, make their product be a stable product, they're out to make money, the speculators create the market, then that allows you to buy a futures contract where you can lock in a price. So those two players are necessary in the financial market to make it go. Well, in the, in the market we're talking about now, uh, you know, research of, of ancient, ancient mysteries, mm -hmm. uh, you've got the conservative science of Egyptology and archeology, span but then you've got the independent thinkers like me where we bring in the big ideas. And so I think that, that you know, so we can do something that they can't do. You know, these big ideas, that's not part of the forensics of, you know, the the conservative type research that they do, but it can, it, those things being out there can be accessed by them and help direct you know, research and stuff. So, and, and obviously for uh, independent researchers who tend to be a you know, maverick freelance bunch, yeah. it's, good to be, it's good to be grounded in what they have discovered, what forensic science has come up with. Yeah, so I do think that there could be a, a better working relationship between the two, but most independent researchers tend to take the attitude you know, the Egyptian authorities are hiding things. You know, they, they, they know stuff 
that right. they're not, you know, and I, I just don't buy that. You know, I, I know Dr. Mark Lehner, probably the most famous scientist at Giza. He's an honest man. He's doing real research. So, you know, you got to find a different game than slamming the Egyptologist. Okay. Present what truth you have, but you don't need to slam them right. to make your truth. Agreed. So do you think that, um, like, Egyptologists, um, because I've, heard, I've got, I've heard a lot of hate around people like, like, Dr. Zahi Hawass and stuff like that, of like, um, you know, him rumored to be hiding things of like the stinks and the pyramid. So do you think that, um, I guess they're being truthful and that they really are releasing all the information or do you think that they're holding anything back at all? Um, well, you asked me two, you did, you did ask me two different questions. Right. First of all, are they truthful? I, I, at, the, at the level at which they work, they're truthful. There is truth, you know, but uh, are they holding something back? They might be, you know, just like I've, I've got three or four research projects going right now that, that I haven't said a word about because, you know, I want to, I, I want to, you know, test myself. I want to, I want to yeah. go before I, I say, here's the discovery. And I think Egyptologists do it all the time. Like for instance, Hawass didn't release any footage from, you know, the, what the Jedi robots did, you know, in, in the air shafts. Right. Well, he doesn't want everybody to tell immediately anything he's learned. Any anybody wants to yeah. sit, it, but but usually what's meant is this: that, you know they don't they don't put it in a positive spin like that. Well, of course he's going over data. He doesn't want to just put something out there till he knows it. Right. They're sort of saying, oh, he really found the secret mummies, and he's not telling us. He really found the Hall of Records that Edgar Casey talked about. Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't. I think. Are you deluded? Do you really think? That Mark Lehner and Zahi Was found the Hall of Records, but they said, Shh, "Let's keep it quiet so all those guys don't say we told you so." Fair enough. I mean, I just I don't believe that for a moment. You know, they they like to get famous for finding things. If they found the Hall of Records, they could they could get their name even higher. Mark yeah, Lehner finds Hall of Records underneath the paws of Sphinx. So the idea that they're hiding something that way, no. And and as far as hiding evidence, you know, like that, I've heard. Uh, Dr. Laner say it. Uh, he was back in his hometown in Minot, uh, North Dakota, on a little TV show, mm -hmm. and uh, you know he was asked about Graham Hancock and John Anthony West and these guys. He said, "Look, you know, the, uh, I, I hear their claims. They say that there's an ancient, you know, lost high-tech civilization." He says, "Well, there is. It's the one I'm finding. You know, he has dug in Giza for 40 years, right? And he hasn't found any spaceships there." You know, and 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 really, there's there's not evidence of a former Atlantis unless you use the kind of evidence that oh, look at these drill holes, look at this curved granite. But what people don't realize, look at the YouTube channel Sacred Geometry Decoded. Yeah, yeah. Egyptians could do those things. That's not evidence to show a drill hole, to show curved granite, to show highly polished and straightened sides does not is not evidence of Atlantis. It's evidence of the great craftsmanship that Egyptians were capable of. And I'm sorry, you know, you're just holding on to the party line and you haven't looked at what a granite worker skilled can do today mm -hmm. without high tech tools. Okay. Just, just go to a master craftsman. I used to work with a stonemason trained in England, uh, Henry Fowler. Mm -hmm. What what a stonemason can do that's trained to think yeah. about in Egypt. It's amazing. There were no there were no universities in Egypt. There was no yep. uh, formal university. There was no schools of engineering. Well, how did you learn? Just think of what you could learn though if your father and your grandfather and your great grandfather were all stonemasons and they taught you yeah. every day and you learned. 
that's much greater than going to a college for four years. So you go to a school of engineering for three or four years, learning from father to son. To, so, so that's the way they learned and they, get, they gained a tremendous reservoir of capabilities to, to, to do remarkable things with stone. So if you're gonna convince me that there's an ancient high-tech civilization that's missing other than the Egyptian one, show me where the shopping centers are. Where, where are where's the nuclear reactor? Where's the steel factory? Where's the uh, where's the uh, the phone banks? In other words, if they had a high tech civilization, those are evidences of high tech civilizations. Right. Just tell me a drill right. hole and in curved granite is evidence of ancient high technology. Sorry, you're gonna have to do better than that. Okay. So so you don't necessarily um, you don't necessarily believe that uh, Graham Hancock or like uh, Randall Carlson or you know Robert Duvall, anything of that nature. Do you think that um, they're kind of passing around the wrong message, more of a pseudoscientific well, message? Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I absolutely believe that Atlanta and Atlantis-like civilization existed. I'm not denying anything that they're saying. Right. I'm just saying they didn't. There's no evidence that Giza was built by it. Gotcha. Okay. I, I believe Atlantis existed and it fell. That doesn't mean it built okay. everything in the world. Right, right. It didn't build Giza. I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I do think that there were things going on in Giza before the pyramids were built. It was it's oh, been yeah. a holy place. Definitely. Definitely. The ancient legend says that Enoch, the prophet Enoch, was translated to heaven there. Because if you believe the Bible, the Bible says he didn't die. He was translated to heaven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the uh, oral tradition says it was from Giza. So, Giza, you know, is an ancient, has got an ancient history for being a holy site. That doesn't mean that the pyramids were built, uh, you know, anciently. I mean, like before the flood or, you know, right, 10,000 right. years ago. It just means they were built in a place that had a very holy history. And, okay. You know, the, the, the archaeological evidence uh, that, that says that Khufu, you know, built the Great Pyramid is much stronger than uh, than the alternative crowd allows. First of all, there's the debate about the uh, graffiti in the relieving chambers. And what the ancient, the, you know, the, the people that get so strong about this fail to, uh, fail to acknowledge is that Zahi Awas took Robert Baval, Graham Hancock, and John Anthony West up to the relieving chambers. Mm -hmm. They saw the graffiti and every one of them said, that's real. I was alive at the time, you know, because I was in okay. 70, 79 or something when that right. happened. And, and I remember exactly what Baval did, the way he humbled himself, the way he, it wasn't a complete humbling, but what he said was before that he was on record with Graham Hancock and saying that it was built in 10,000 BC. And they based that on the heavens, you know, Leo, where Leo was, and, and uh, you know, where the, the Orion where where Ryan was at that time. And so they said at 10,000 BC. So what they changed to was they said, okay, it wasn't built in 10,000 BC. It was designed in 10,000 ah, BC. Okay. And that, that's what Baval said at the time. Now, you know, decades went on and maybe they, but John Anthony West said, anybody that doesn't think that's real is crazy. John Anthony West made some very strong statements. Uh, ancient yeah. Architects has, has quoted both Graham Hancock and John Anthony West. So, so let's just take that one piece of evidence. Sure. If even those guys, the leading trinity of the alternative movement, Baval, Hancock, and West, if they're saying that graffiti is real, that means that Khufu's workmen in Aswan, 500 miles away, etched uh, in the red ochre paint that's still used today, they and the red ochre paint, 
you know, I made this block and it's the 17th year of Khufu. Right. And the, that Scott Crichton book, you know, the evidence that, that, that they try and say, first, <laughs> the, the idea that uh, that was all forged by Howard Weiss, my goodness. Vice, okay, if you've seen what Michelangelo did on his back for three years, painting the Sistine Chapel, you would yeah. have had to have skills like that. Those That, that graffiti is upside down. Yeah. How do you get scaffolding up in there? It's hard enough to squeeze your body through there. So, so how, do you, how do you get upside down? Also, the forms of Khufu that were used were not known by Egyptologists at that time. Now, that's a fact. So Vice couldn't afford something he didn't even know because no Egyptologist knew would know what to forge because the Egyptologists didn't know several of the forms of the name Khufu. You know, there's five okay. basic nomens or you know forms for, for the for the for, for the title and then two cartouche types. Yeah. So, so you know that that is evidence number one. That that you that you just can't be overcome. That's evidence right. that Khufu built the Great Pyramid. Okay. You know, another one is, and, and this is equally as powerful. The uh, Queen's Chamber air shaft yes. wasn't opened until 1872 by Wayman Dixon. He uh, there was a uh, a shipbuilder uh, I forgot his name that suggested that. They look in the queen's chamber in the same approximate place as the air shafts, which were plainly visible in the king's chamber. And so they did that. He tapped around. And so he went in about eight inches in. They found there's air shafts in the queen's chamber. Just, that was the first time they had been discovered since they were put in. Yeah. So, so that means anything in there, they didn't have robots, Jedi robots, you know, Gatenbrink type robots back, right. back then. So anything that was in there was in there. Well, one of the things that was in there was the wood. And that you, if you follow the torturous story of where that wood went from the time Dixon opened it, then he sends some of the artifacts back to England and to Scotland for, for uh, uh, C. Piazzi Smith to look at, the Astronomer Royal from Scotland and uh, how they were sent back and forth. And then the wood was misplaced in the Egyptian Museum. And it was just found at the University of Edinburgh by an Egyptian woman who happened to be working there. She was in the Far East section. She knew this was Egyptian. It shouldn't be in the Far East section. And she recognized this is the, this is the wood from Wayman Dixman from, and it was just carbon dated. Oh, really? Now, you good. know, carbon dating is something that always the, you know, ancient alternative yeah. crowd wants to use. Okay, so the, the carbon dating puts it at about the time of Khufu. Some, mm -hmm. some of the carbon dating was maybe 200 year, years older, but in, when you take the old wood problem, just yeah. study what the, just the old wood problem, it could have come from a cedar of Lebanon that was very old and was only used recently. And plus and a very big tree, the inward part of the tree dates differently than the outer part of the tree. So, so a 200 year difference is nothing in, in carbon dating. So that's a second very powerful archeological yeah. evidence yeah. that the Great Pyramid was built at the time of Khufu. And if you say, well, he he redid he he you know, there was something there before him, and he just put a little trimming on the top. Yeah. Well, they were at least up to the queen's chamber, right, right, at that time. Exactly. So if you can build up to the so if you built everything that's on the Great Pyramid above the queen's chamber, including the queen's chamber, and let's face it, that you know, th then you're pretty amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, that, you might as well you might as well have been the original Atlantis. Right, if you're, right. You that's well. so amazing. The ancient Egyptians couldn't have done it. It's so amazing. Well, guess what? If if the you know you say that they built on top of where everything below the queen's chamber was built before them, that's nothing. What's below the queen's chamber is nothing. It's what's above it that's amazing. So the yeah. the Egyptians did the amazing thing. So two powerful archaeological right. evidence. It's also people. A lot of people don't know that when the casing stones were finally uncovered, because uh, C. P. Ozzy Smith who the astronomer royal for Scotland who gave his life to studying the Great Pyramid in many ways at a certain point, he couldn't get the exact dimensions of the base because the pyramid was covered with rubble as it was for centuries, yeah. for thousands of years. When it was finally cleared away, they found a bunch of Khufu uh, cartouches uh, hidden away behind that no one could have snuck in there and forged. So there's three powerful archaeological evidences yeah. that the Great Very Pyramid was built by Khufu. So get over it. Ancient Ancient architects, uh, Matt Simpson's a great researcher, a great YouTube channel. He was always an alternative guy and he kept studying and studying. And he did this you know, YouTube uh, video recently where he said 10 reasons why Khufu built the Great Pyramid. Mm -hmm. And I think he lost a couple hundred, well, not a couple hundred, but he lost, I know, tens of thousands of followers when he said that. Oh, man. But, well, he, he's, he had almost 400,000 at one yeah. point, but I know people didn't like that, but he, he just is, you know, was... I told him a long time ago. I taught I taught Matt a long time ago. I told him I said you're you're gonna you're gonna come to see that Khufu built the Great Pyramid, and he has. Interesting. So, okay. You know, to me, that argument's over. I you yeah. know. For sure. I mean, I've seen so something else interesting. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Is the Orion correlation theory? I'm not super familiar with it because I just kind of started looking a little bit into it, and from what I've read, it's really compelling and interesting can you like for someone like me who isn't necessarily an expert can you kind of give like a layman's kind of uh, explanation of exactly what, what so i wrote a book uh extending the orion correlation theory it's called enoch yep. the egyptian new orion connection hypothesis so instead of saying the orion correlation theory i've got the orion connection hypothesis interesting but here's why i earned the name and baval doesn't Robert Raval came up with the, the, the uh, Orion correlation theory, and it's brilliant. I'm not knocking Robert Raval. Listen to what I am saying, though. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he fought hard. You know, he was trying to get acceptance uh, you know, in the Egyptological crowd, in the astronomy crowd. And I used right. to think back when he was first coming out and promoting his books, I thought, what in the heck are you, are, Baval, are you so concerned about getting the approval of these guys that are never going to approve you? You know, you're an, an engineer, so he's a qualified person, but he's not an Egyptologist, not an astronomer. And, and so he's fighting hard to get this accepted in the mainstream. I thought, why do you need to get it accepted in the mainstream? You got, you got millions of people buying your books worldwide. People, people see it. You don't have to wait for the Egyptians. But the thing that, that, I, that I had to say about Baval, he never extended it beyond the three belt stars. So the Orion correlation theory is this. You want a simple explanation? Here it is. The Egyptians said, as above, so below. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's the constellation Orion in the sky. Yeah. Let's put it on the ground here. Hmm. So there's yeah. Orion's belt. Oh, the three Giza pyramids are his belt. There's a correlation between the sky and the earth as above, so below. Okay. So that's the Orion correlation theory. Let's correlate the stars with the pyramids. So you've got three stars and you got three pyramids. Right. Okay, great start, Rob Baval. But who is known by their belt? Calvin, you can't see my belt right now and I yeah. can't see yours. 
Right. So after I hit, we have this, uh, you know, podcast, I go up and I talk to my wife. She's going to say, well, what's Calvin like? I said, well, he's got a great belt. Well, what's his personality? <laughs> I don't know. He's got a great belt. Well, it, you know, he's, well, he's got a great belt. Well, what, what are his intellectual thoughts? Well, he's got a great belt. You yeah, can't yeah. say you've got the Orion correlation theory if all you have all is three it. stars and the belt. Yeah. So what I did is I went to every place on Egyptian soil where the major stars in the constellation Orion fall on planet Earth in Egypt. Amazing. That's the Orion correlation theory. And, and I've said this many times, and maybe your podcaster. I think I'm the only person in the world who's done it. Now, I'm not boasting. I am not boasting. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just being honest. I think I'm. if there's somebody else, I want to talk to you. I want to meet yeah. you. I want to correspond with you. I'm all alone in this corner saying I alone have done it. Yeah. And I've said that many times because I'm saying it to be provocative. So somebody says, hey, no, I know a guy who did it. And no one has come at me and said that. Very interesting. Baval, I think, tried to in the beginning. And he, I know why he didn't, why he didn't find it. Because if you take the three, the, the three pyramids in Giza, they do correlate with the, with the belt stars, if that's all you look at. But if you extrapolate from those three stars, in other words, take the astronomical units, how far apart are those stars in the sky? Okay, then use that scale to go to Betelgeuse, the shoulder, Bellatrix, the other shoulder, Rigel, the foot, Misa, the head, and you'll come down and you won't have anything. If you use the, the scale of the, 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 the spacing of the pyramids to correspond with the spacing of the stars, then from that, you could lay out the entire constellation of Orion on Egyptian soil. Interesting. Well, if you did, it doesn't score. So what Paval didn't realize as I did that the, the, the belt part wasn't to scale. The rest of you know, to, for Orion to be laid out on Egyptian soil the way that I did, it's the way the Egyptians laid it out. But they didn't use the belt as the as the scalar representative in a sense. So yeah. if you and so I Baval never because I think Baval spent some early years trying to find it. He would have liked to stop and think about it. You're the guy that's got the name Orion correlation theory, but all you have is the belt. Yeah. Robert Grant, who's a yeah. big sensation on Instagram, uh, Robert Grant wrote the uh, the introduction or the forward, I should say, to, to my new edition of this, which I hope to get out this year. But uh, you know, he's he said in there the same. He said in his forward, he thought the same thing when he first heard about the Orion correlation theory from Babala. Well, what about the rest of the what about the rest yeah. of the stars in the constellation Orion? Right. And so he said that, you know, that, that my book's an important book for everybody in the world. Definitely. I'm definitely going to pick it up for sure. And here's why. <laughs> because the conclusions I came to, I'm, I'm an honest researcher, and I, I try and let the evidence lead to the conclusions. Definitely. So when I went into this study, and I was nervous, and I had doubts, I had to work through some things to realize how to lay out Orion on the Egyptian soil, and do, do I need to know spherical geometry? You know, do, who, who am I? I'm not an engineer. And I worked through all that to, to feel very confident now about what I found. And so if you're just going out to prove what you already know, I'm going out to prove that Khufu didn't build the Great Pyramid. And you, if you do that, that's not the kind of research I do. My research is I, I, I studied the evidence and, and try and let it, let it lead the way. And that's what happened here. And the conclusions I came to in this book, I did not have in my head beforehand, not, not right. a way in the world. 
what I thought about when I wrote this book was, I'm going to, for every star, I'm going to find a pyramid. That astro-archaeological intent was my whole intent, that as above, so below, star, pyramid, star, pyramid. That's what I started with. That's not where I ended. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's really compelling. Um, so my next question would be, what would be the the point of them correlating Orion with the the Giza Plateau? Like, what is what would be the point? Why would they be so interested in Orion specifically? Well, there's two questions there. The first one, uh, you know, because of the Egyptian maxim, "as above, so below." So, so that would that would be the reason. But the the second question is, uh, why Orion? And now, and I've done. Uh, several YouTube videos about this. Um, th that that putting the focus on Orion takes the focus off of Egypt, which is good, because Egypt is just one of the societies, ancient societies that was interested in Orion. A bunch of ancient societies. Were, were interested in, in the constellation Orion. So the question would be why? Why this near universal fascination among ancient cultures mm -hmm. for the constellation Orion? And I, I think, you know, I think the answer is relatively obvious. There is a fascination with the ancient cultures because they experiences, they experienced the type of disasters that led to the collapse of Atlantis. Right. They were aware of pole shifts or major catastrophes. And uh, it's said that Enoch, the, the two pillars he was going to build, and I think the Great Pyramid is ultimately one of the manifestations of the, the, the pillar of Enoch, but would include all the science of the ancient world. And so, you know, more and more we're finding, I just did a YouTube video or uh, yesterday or the day before about how the speed of light is in the Great Pyramid. And it's there three different ways. So... I thought the speed of light was like, you know, 1905, yeah. you know, Einstein, you know, whatever, right. you know, E equals MC squared. Like that's a, that's a recent finding, right? No, yeah. you know, and so that, so, so the, you know, the ancients, so well going, Enoch said that he wanted to both encode the science and the math, the geometry of the ancient times, but also warn about catastrophes to come. So Ryan is this, you know, this, this judge basically because he's he's got this club raised and he's about to strike so yeah. there's a symbol of these catastrophes like the great pyramid that the pillar yeah. of enoch is supposed to be warning about and i've done right. a couple of programs about the pole shift that seems to be predicted by the four tetragrammaton the four ancient letters that are at the very entrance of the great pyramid little known but uh, you know, I, I've, I've done that, and I do think that the Great Pyramid encodes in other ways these warnings. Uh, some people have done some work on how Giza is is a, a massive clock because of the precession of the equinoxes, and you can tell kind of where we are in time. And and yeah. there, uh, Gary Osborne is one that's said that that seems to be predicting, you know, a future catastrophe. Interesting. So that that would be the fascination. And so the Egyptians, you know, because uh, the uh, Hopi Indians in Arizona, they brought Orion down. Almost all their settlements are at major stars, even more so than in Egypt. 
And, and as a matter of fact, that this shows one of the things that began giving me confidence for my finding of, of uh, Orion on Egyptian soil is that the one in Arizona is much bigger. In other words, you, you can represent Orion any way you want to. I can draw a picture of Orion on this book. So I've represented the heavens in this picture right here. Yeah. But I could make it bigger. I could take up a whole page. So that's that's bigger than this. So guess what? I could fill this whole back wall. And so the Hopi Indians brought down Orion onto a much larger scale than it's brought down in Giza. So there's not so that 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 was one of the things that gave me confidence that I was realizing well, I don't have to be an expert in spheroid geometry or yeah. what cal I just have to find what the Egyptians did. It's plain by what they did, by yeah. what they left there, the same as the Hopi Indians made it plain the way they were. And so you could say, well, how did they do that? I don't know how they did it, but one way you could do it would be take a picture, a transparent picture of where the stars are, like take a transparent piece of paper and then, and then just lay that down onto the soil. Oh, but yeah. you could expand it, just scale it out. Right. So pull it six miles, pull it 10 miles. So that, that's all that's being done. That, that the heavens are basically being brought to the earth different ways by different civilizations. That's amazing. And so, uh, so it's just, uh, you know, because there's a lot of focus on Egypt and the mysteries that are there that gives a special importance, I think, to the Orion correlation theory in Egypt. But, you know, there's a lot of correlations with the constellation Orion, China, Mexico, you know, Arizona. Yeah. It's not just Egypt. Yeah, man, man, I was just in Arizona like a year ago too, and I, the where in Arizona is is that? Um, that well, it's all over. It's, it takes up over. almost almost the whole state. I mean, when you look wow. at how, just just look at where the Hopi civilizations are. Uh, who's done uh, Gary? Uh, it's not Gary Osborne, but Gary Gary drawn blank in his last name, but he's done a lot of the work on on that. So you just do a Google search for yeah. you know. Ryan correlation, Hopi Indians, Arizona, whatever you'll you'll find it. That's very interesting, man. I wish I would have known about that a little earlier. Otherwise, you know, that way I could have yeah. went and, and did a little bit of work on it. Um, I think. Did you go to uh, Canyon de Chez when you were there? Uh, no, we we flew to uh, to Phoenix and and we hung out in Phoenix. We saw um, oh I don't know, not really anything of any significance. Just a lot of you know around town. I tried yeah. to kind of look up some like museums and stuff like that in the Canyon area. Canyon Deshaies is one of the Hopi settlements because I, okay. I was there, you know, I, I flew into Phoenix too. And it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a famous Canyon. It's like the Grand Canyon on a smaller scale. Yeah. And it's, it's an example of one of the Hopi settlements. Very so, cool. Yeah, it's very interesting because yeah. we plan on going back again sometime. So definitely I'll have to remember that next time I go there for sure. Um, yeah. Something that I just saw on your Instagram today um, is it's something it's you i believe you said that you discovered this alpha omega symbol in the pyramid yeah uh -huh. so what exactly is the alpha omega symbol and why would that matter in the in the pyramid well uh let, let me see here uh why don't uh why don't i uh, share the screen on that sure go ahead okay so uh Okay, so let's uh, let's look at one of these right here. Okay, so can you see that? I can. You can. Yep. Okay, 
so that that's the alpha and omega that I found. Now, if you looked at today's posting on Instagram, I said it's more than an alpha and omega, but there is an alpha and omega there. You can see that plainly the alpha and then the O, uh, you know, rises above it. And it does seem to have serifs at the bottom, like the omega, but, there, the, right. but there's also an inverted V there, which is yes. not really part of an alpha and omega. But I call it an alpha and omega because I, I do think it is because uh, my friend Robert Grant, whose birthday it is today, I wrote him, wrote him a birthday poem. And yeah, I saw that. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I had fun doing that. And uh, so he discovered an alpha and omega on the uh, sarcophagus rim in the king's chamber. And, and it's plainly there. You know, there's oh. photographs of it. And, and uh, you know, so, so it's plainly there. And I found an alpha and omega on the outside of the Great Pyramid. And, and Robert Grant agreed with me when I showed it to him when I discovered it a couple of years ago. Okay. So this, that, that's one reason I called this an alpha and omega. This is in a different part of the pyramid. The, the king's chamber where he found his alpha and omega, uh, that uh, is the public can get in there. Anybody could go up there that pays okay. the entry. But you can't, not anybody can get to where I found this in the pyramid. I had special permission, you know, to be there. So that's hard to, you know, do, go through the paperwork and do that and pay the money and everything. Yeah. So this, but, uh, but this one's in there. So I'm just calling it alpha and omega because there is plainly an alpha and omega in the sarcophagus, which is like the central place in the, if, there, if there's a single central place in the great pyramid, it's the, it's that, that empty sarcophagus in the King's chamber. And there's an alpha and omega on that. So that's why I'm calling this an alpha and omega. What's the significance? Well, this again is one of the things that, uh, that I haven't revealed that I said I'm sitting on because I'm still going over. I'll give you an sure. example, like sure. uh, just uh, this one picture okay, right here. I'm not gonna show this too long, but you can see what I did there. I put a ruler over that so I can measure it. So I wanna, and I, I wanna find out what angle that is. I wanna find sure. out all the things I find out yeah. about, about this revelation that's there. And yeah. so, you know, until, until I do that, because here's an example, here is the uh, uh, looking up for, from this mark this is the this is the original entrance to the Great Pyramid. Oh, the Egyptian, okay. The Egyptian governments had it closed, locked off. This this is me on the inside in yep. a place you can't get with a public entrance, looking to the outside. That outside is where the big chevrons are. That's the nineteenth course. That's the that's the entrance on the outside of the Great Pyramid. Wow. So, uh, you know, here here's an example of where where it is right there. Okay. So. Oh, wow. That's very. That's really cool. Yeah, so, so, uh, so, you know, the question, somebody posted, you know, made a comment on today's post, and they said, well, that's, that's plainly a Templar, you know, done by the Templars, so it's gonna right, be the 13th right. century, and I think if you do, you know, get your micrometer in there, get your tools in there, you'll find that that were steel. He's saying, you know, that was engraved with steel, because obviously in the 13th century, uh, well, I just see, did they have... <laughs> Did they have steel? I guess yeah. I guess you could make the point they they yeah, had started yeah. to to use it there. So so he was saying you know, but what I said to him in in response to the comments is you know people say that as if that's going to solve the problems of how you tool, you know the granite that's there. Yeah. Even if you have steel, it's no simple process. And <laughs> and by the way, the copper that the Egyptians had was laced with arsenic. It's as hard as steel, just about. You can oh. do with that copper. You can do so all this stuff about you know. First of all, you don't solve any problems by saying you know they didn't have steel because it's hard to do even with steel. It's hard to do with arsenic hardened copper. So it still it takes skill. 
it takes skill. And, and if you've been, you know, you're the grand, great grandson of a family that's been doing it for a thousand years, you have a little bit of knowledge right. that the right. person, just like if I asked you, Calvin, make me an iPhone. How quick <laughs> are you going to do that for me? And guess what? You know, not everyone has to be an expert in an iPhone for us to have the iPhone. Yeah. Not everyone has to be an expert in, in, in a tooling stone for us to get the great pyramid. So, you know, it, okay. they, they were talented artisans. Same thing with the boat building. You look at the boats that were built in the fourth dynasty, tremendous. They, there's no cookie cutter, you know, buy two by fours from Home Depot. They're all the same size. They took different size wood and they put it together like a jigsaw puzzle. Incredible uh, artisanship Definitely. that, that uh, seems to have been lost. You know, it seems like the older you go, you know, in the technology of ancient Egypt, the more precise it is. That newer almost means, you know, more shoddy. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's that's really interesting. I I, I applaud you for not um, necessarily putting anything out, saying anything, unless you have all the evidence saying, you know, I have this to prove it. I applaud you for not just throwing your stuff out there without doing your fair share of research on it. You know, so... Um, yeah, I, I'm really I excited to see. You know? I, I just have to spend time with it. I, I don't even know that I'll come up with anything more profound. I don't know. Sure. I just know that it's an incredible discovery. As a matter of fact, uh, Robert Grant said that the day I posted it, he goes, he said, great picture, Larry. This is plainly an important discovery. Yeah. And so I think it is. Even if it was done by the Templars, you know, what was their point? I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 you can't, you know, just like people say, well, the Alpha and Omega that Robert Grant found up in the sarcophagus, well, that could have been put there by later people. Yes, it could have been, but then he's done all these measurements on it to show that uh, that some of the major constants, Euler, Phi, Pi, are in that that engraving, and so in that relief, whatever you want to call it. So, so the, plainly, a tremendous amount of intelligence went into it. So, okay. so you know. Uh, you know, he thinks it, it, it is uh, original with the builders because, you know, Alpha and Omega were, are older than Greek letters. I mean, Alpha was yeah. around, you know, the, in, in, in very many languages as a symbol, you know, as was Omega. So the same thing could be said, you know, that, that sign, because there is a Templar cross. I don't know if you saw it or not, but in that Alpha and Omega up at the top, there's a Templar cross. Templar cross is older than the Templars. I mean, sorry, you can, you can find, I saw it. I saw that inscription in, in ancient Egypt. Uh, you know, among hieroglyphs. So, yeah. The, the, so, yeah. Maybe, maybe it is a Templar cross, and maybe that Alpha and Omega up in the King's Chamber came later, but maybe it didn't. And you know, don't tell me you know because you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if it, that's that's the thing that drives me crazy. When a lot of these people, they you know, they don't know for sure yet. They say they know, and it's it's like, come on, guys, you got you got to have evidence to back up your claims. Kind of where I stand. That um, because the the thing is, you know, that I've seen this so often in studying ancient Egypt, they were so practical. They were great craftsmen, but look at the way, for instance, now look at how conservative the culture is. You know, in America, we got, we got cubism, we got expressionism, we got romanticism. It changes every 50 years. This time. For thousands of years, Egypt kept the same art forms, the same architecture, the same principles of, of religion. It's like unheard of. I don't think you'd find any other, you know, civilization that kept such similar and, and so, you know, they, uh, and, and their, their measuring system, you know, measuring with the royal cubit and stuff. It's amazing. And so, you know, the, uh, the, they uh, would, would want to preserve, you know, the, their, their knowledge and, 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 you know, find different ways to do it. So, but, but, you know, it's, it's just always the same. So the, it's a very conservative. Uh, and so when the scribes 
who were taught, you know, that was a specialized skill. They were taught just like, you know, boat builders and just like stone builders. They were taught their trade. And you'll see that they never start running out of space like, okay, oh, I can't fiddle in. It's always neatly carved. Yeah. So they just make a decision. They might write from right to left or left to right. They might, you know, fit it down this way. But so, so their individuality came out. They still use the same symbols that were used for 4,000 years or, you know, three, 3,000 anyway. They still, you know, had this conservative culture and language, uh, the hieroglyphics that were passed down, but they were able to express their creativity, their artisanship in the way that they placed those. Wow. And so, you know, the, uh, that, that kind of skill, I mean, is the kind of thing that, that that I see in in this this carving, you know, that that wow. uh, that's on the wall there, and it's singular. It's not. There are some places in the Great Pyramid where there's a lot of graffiti. You know, the Egyptian government has kind of you know wiped some of it off and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. the place where I found that up in Omega, there's nothing. It's the only mark anywhere near it. So it's a very singular, yeah, and it's right I, near. Yeah. It's not too far from the scored line. So if you've studied the Great Pyramid, well, the scored line is a famous part of the entrance passage, the original part of the descending passage. And it's right near there. So that's a very singular uh, mark in the Great Pyramid that all the early uh, pyramid writers said was part of the original construction, those scored lines. And, and that Alpha and Omega I showed you is right near those scored lines. So it just, that's an, that's an indication that it is original. Okay, the Templar cross, that's, that's an indication. It could be 13th century, whatever. But the fact of where it's placed and how it's drawn is also evidence it could be older. So don't tell me you know, because you don't know and I don't know. But, you know, it is a remarkable uh, piece of artisanship, whatever Absolutely. it is. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. I mean, the, it's, it gave me chills when you showed me that picture. That was a really compelling picture. It's really almost out of place sitting there. It is yeah, really it's, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning. It, it yeah. is. It's very crazy. Uh, I, um, I did. I think I posted. Uh, I think I posted when I can't remember if I did or not when when Raven Raven was uh, one of my tourists who was with me, and when she saw it, she she you can just hear this sigh from her. It's like it, it was almost like you know she she had you know w was like high or something. It's like yeah, oh. wow, wow. I can only imagine. Wow, that's that's so incredible. I I'm really interested to look look more into that a little bit. Um, I have. Also, I watched, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of your YouTube videos on the, the AIP channel um, over the past week or so. And I've noticed you kind of bring up a couple times that your posts on Instagram seem to keep disappearing. Um, they keep. Well, it's, I mean, the, one of the times that that happened, because, you know, I know that sometimes they, you know, they will take a post down because it's offensive or it's, you know, it's uh, touching. A, a subject that's you know uh racial or, or or something you know yeah but they usually i think they tell you when they do that we have taken right. down this post because it breaks yep. community guidelines okay i so i did uh, part of my orion correlation theory was i i wanted to calculate where sirius came down because sirius is wholly you know in in egyptian theology astronomy you know and agriculture because it was that when it, it rose for the first time after being gone because it's you know Sirius is not like the North Star always visible in the heavens it, it it's gone for a period of days and when it re-arises that's always been associated with the flooding of the Nile and the time to you know have your crops ready and, and, and whatnot or 
at least help you with the planning season. And so for very many reasons, Sirius was, was very important. Plus, I think you could go into the meaning of Sirius and the mythology behind it. But that's so. So anyways, even though it's not part of Orion, it's not too far from Orion. I thought I want to find where it would come on Egyptian soil based on the Orion. Absolutely. And so when I chased down to where it was, it was like unbelievable. OK, the 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 uh, southern air shaft out of the king's chamber points directly to uh, no from the queen's excuse me the, it was the it's the southern air shaft in the queen's chamber uh points directly to sirius i saw that actually that's it, and it's exact it's at a 39 degree angle and it and this configuration i found where sirius was there's this temple over here sort of like the queen's chamber there's right. a street that's at a 39 degree angle and it goes to this circular garden and that's exactly where sirius came down so it's exactly on a 39 degree street going to like a king's wow. chamber which is a, which is a mosque and it was like holy cow and so i posted that on instagram mm -hmm. and somebody came back to me on a comment and said aren't you afraid and I said, afraid of what? Hmm. And they said, the, the watchers of those sites. So plainly this person felt that there was some kind of sinister power associated with me finding such an incredibly esoteric, you know, truth. Yeah. So hmm. when I went to, uh, I went looking for that, that uh, video, which I plainly put in that, that comment I just told you was on there. It wasn't there. It wasn't on Instagram. It was simply wow. gone. I, I, it's just gone. It was gone. No, no, so you broke weird. community guidelines because how do they break community guidelines? It's not, it's, you know, it's yeah. a star. It's not, didn't say anything about racial, anything, you know. Yeah. So that was plain. Aren't you afraid? I'm going back to what they said. Aren't you afraid yeah. of them? And I said, I said, no, I'm not afraid of anything because wow. I believe the Alpha and Omega guides me and protects me and I'm, I'm not afraid of anything. But, 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 whoa, like yeah. what happened? So I, I kind of redid, I uh, did a more recent video where I talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's one that I watched. That, that and I was like, just freaking. And I still don't have an explanation. I see, you know, people weighed in when I said this, just like I'm saying to you, and if somebody makes some comments in your podcast, they'll act like they know. You don't know, yeah. unless you work for Instagram and you can tell me, but maybe if, even if you work <laughs> right. for Instagram, you don't know, because they found a way to, uh, unbeknownst to you, sneak it out of there. I don't know how they did. I have exactly. no idea. I have no idea what happened. Which one of you can say that you you know put up an Instagram post that was taken down and just eliminated without you being told? I don't know of anybody else that's happened to. I suppose yeah, there could be. Too. That was just flipping weird. Yeah. Okay. So that's never happened any other time, or has that happened to any of your YouTube videos or anything? No, not that I know of. Yeah, that's the that's the only time I'm really aware of that it happened. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really weird. It's like why would I mean it's 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 not like I mean. Yeah it's educational, you know, our, our, it's educational what you're sharing. So, I mean, why? Yeah, I, and I have no, like, who did it? Like, how did it happen? Yeah. You, know? you know, I didn't, um, I didn't go to try and ask Instagram. I figured it'd be so hard to try and get to the bottom of that. You know, yeah, you'd be, I, mean, I don't, don't want to spend the hours it would take if somebody yeah. else, you know, has the time and the inclination, or if you work for Instagram and you've got the inside skinny, yeah. let us know. But I, I, you know, I just leave right. it as mysterious and I can't explain. <laughs> so did you just repost it and, and call it good? And is it, um, well, I didn't repost it. I couldn't okay. repost it. Well, you know, let's see. Because uh, um, I don't think it was. 
a, a movie. It was several pictures. Oh, in which okay. I so when I redid it, so to speak, you know, I, I did it as a video or whatever, yeah, yeah. because it was it wasn't on YouTube because I don't put on YouTube because like just like a lot of people on Instagram, I don't I don't always do videos. Sometimes I do pictures sure. like today. Today yeah. I did a picture of, you know, the Alpha and the Omega. And so that's what I did back when I did that. So that was simply gone. So there was no video I could go back to. Well, where's the video I used to upload? Well, there was no video, you know. Yeah. So, I just, so, so that, that the, the post was just plainly gone. And so we can't, because I'd like to look again at who it was, you know, because, you know, just follow which Instagram personality I don't remember now said mm -hmm. to me, aren't you worried? Like who said that? Yeah, know, I, I don't know. I can't remember, scary, but it, you know, like, and I can't find it now because that post is gone. So I can't see who said it to me. <laughs> oh man, that's cryptic. A little creepy. Um, well, you know, the thing is, part of the you know doing what I do, there there are big forces involved. You're talking about you know I, I'm into my my uh, Instagram or Instagram says that I I like to uncover secrets. I like to explain symbols. Yeah. I like to demystify mysteries. Well, you get involved in this stuff and. You know, there's powers, there's good and evil powers, there's, you know, you're getting yeah. into, usually mysteries are enshrouded in things like that. So, you know, that's part of that's part of the territory, but yeah, uh, have, still unexplained. Have you at any point been labeled as like a pseudoscientist or sharing pseudoscientific? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I have. Yeah. That, that, I have no problem with that. Fine. I am. So what, yeah. you know? I mean, all in all, if I... I go by the old saying that the theology is the queen of the sciences. Well, you're a pseudoscientist if you say theology has got anything to do with science. Well, guess what? I'm a pseudoscientist then because I'm saying theology is the queen of the sciences because it really is. It really is. In, in, in other words, uh, if, if you could say that God is a trinity or God is six parts or God can control rain, anything like that, if it's true, it's science. It's just that the forensic science we've developed today, you know, wouldn't wouldn't have the tools to measure that. So if we can't measure it, it's not true. Well, I, I, I'm not limiting myself to that. Because yeah. to me, the, the, in the book, if you read my book, you'll see how I feel the Alpha and Omega guided me. I make that part of the narrative. That would never, you know, get published by a scientific publisher. Right. But I don't care. I'm not. I don't want to be limited to forensic scientists. I'm not against forensic scientists. I think I, science. I think we need it. You know, yeah, exactly. I, I I don't want to get in a car that 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 doesn't worry about what you know what the brake lining, you know, uh, specifications are. You know, right. I want the steering column to work right. I believe in science. I'm not against it. I just think that you can't explain everything with forensic evidence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to pick up your book because now I'm I'm really interested in it. So, like, as soon as we get off this call, I'm going to have to order it. But <laughs> I'm going to have to have to binge read it. But so, like, um, if I, like me myself, uh, if I'm being I'm an atheist, if I'm being honest, um, and so I I feel like a lot of people who are like looking at work of, of like yours, you immediately you know. Um, you, you put theology with science and immediately other atheists, some like myself would just be like, oh, you know, he's, you know, mentioning God, you know, he, it's not real science, but you know, me, myself, even as an atheist, I don't necessarily believe in any God or gods. I'm still, if you have evidence, I mean, that's evidence period, no matter what I believe. Cause I mean, fact is fact, no matter if you believe it or not. So, 
Um, well, the thing, you know, the thing is, uh, who was it? Who, who was it that coined the term synchronicity? We say coincidence. Was it Carl Jung or somebody? You know, the, the synchronicity was a term that they came up with. But I call, you know, what the old the the Pilgrim Fathers would have called it is a providence of God. So whether you call it a synchronicity, a providence of God, a coincidence, it doesn't matter what you call it. It is something that asks for explanation beyond the uh, just destiny or fate. When two things right. happen at the same time, that's a coincidence, that's mm -hmm. a synchronicity, that's a providence. You can interpret that any way you want to. If you cast it off as nothing, well, that's an interpretation that you can't prove either. If you wanna take the stand, well, those are all just coincidences. Well, so what? If it's a coincidence, that's, that's two things, that the very word itself, coincidence means it's two things coming together at the same time. Right, so right. if you wanna explain, you want to explain coincidence by saying it's simply causal fate, fine. But you can also explain it by saying God wanted that to happen. So, so that, and that tends to be the way I explain it, that, you know, that the forces of, of nature and God's power worked it out that at this moment, those two things are meant to come together. Because that's one of the ways I've been guided in my life. Even from the time that I was, uh, in the, well, I won't say I was an atheist, I was an agnostic. Mm -hmm. But from the time I was an agnostic until now, I believed in in guiding forces yeah because you know, I, I see them happening in my life as a matter of fact uh you know i was being led by numbers uh it's a long story but you know no, i see a license plate in front of me it was playing oh my gosh i just was thinking about that number look it's right in front of me mm -hmm. so i it got to the point where i just said you know shouted out to god the almighty i said i'm this this is crazy uh, i'm gonna i'm going crazy I am not going to go by numbers anymore. And I just felt the voice came back and said, you cannot choose how I communicate to you. Wow. And it's, con it's continued to happen. So in other words, I, I uh, numbers, you listen to what the things that Robert Grant says about numbers, you know, Robert Grant has this new book out, which is a completely new way of looking uh, at the universe. It's uh, the okay. geometric unification of science and art. Okay. He really shows it's unbelievable. To me, it's unbelievably undeniable that all of creation is built on triangles, that, that uh, waves, transverse waves are built on triangles, circles are built on triangles, the universe is built on triangles. It's sort of like a, the proton, neutron, and electron. And he, he shows this mathematically. So mathematics, you know, numbers have personalities. They do, you can't change that. You, you, you might not like it, you can say it's not true, but it's true, built into the number. A number has a personality and a character. So numbers are real uh, meaningful, uh, sources of symbolic truth. So what they, do you they mean carry... by, um, if you don't mind, like what, what do you mean by that they have personality? Um, like a, a number has personality, exactly. <laughs> if you're able to explain. <laughs> I, I, I wish we could, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, zoom in to Robert Grant because, you know, that that's his area of- uh, Gotcha, gotcha. Of, so uh, that's another one I'll have to read then. I, you know, math comes slowly for me, but I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, okay. One of the mar one of the marginal readings, one of the names of God, Daniel eight thirteen, is uh, Palmoni, which translated means the wonderful numberer, or the numberer of secrets. So that's one of the names of God that's listed in the Bible. So you, you know, you, you can, and I, I just think that that's one of the reasons. You know, the very hairs on your head are numbered. The thing things are done by number. Numbers uh, have meaning, you know, it's uh, in the... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Okay. I, mean, I would love to have you on again sometime just to talk about theology, you know, because like I love talking about religion. Uh, Jonathan Kistler that wrote a book 
of the arithmetic of God. I did a Google search recently, and it, it seems like it's out of print, but you, I think you can still find it a few places electronically. It's called The Arithmetic of God by uh, Don Kistler. And uh, so he just goes through and says what the meanings of all the numbers are. And, and I just memorized it because I want, you know, just for future things. So like 17 is victory, 18 is bondage, 19 is faith, 20 is redemption, 21 is this sinfulness, 22 is light, 23 is death, 24 is priesthood, 25, you know, so every, every number's wow. got a meaning. Okay. And, uh, and of course, people get into, you know, angel numbers and numerology and all kinds of things. So there, I, you know, I just think there's something to that. Yeah. You got to be careful. I just because in that video I posted uh, yesterday, I think it was, I, I, uh, sh I talked about how a lot of esoteric people get lost in symbols. So you mm -hmm. see one symbol, and it interprets a number set symbol. And pretty soon you're in this circle of symbols. So if you can't break out of symbols, you're, you're lost. That's dementia. Right. If you're just right. lost in little symbols, and I think a lot of people, I, I honestly do, you know, I honestly do think a lot of esoteric people are lost in a jungle of symbols. You, the symbols have to point to something outside themselves, or they're not really a symbol. Because mm -hmm. if symbols just point to symbols, you're on a dead end track. You yeah, know? agree. You're in a loop. Yeah, it's, that's that's a form of dementia. I, so I'm just saying, if if symbols mean anything, they mean something, and there's no point. You have no point dealing with symbols if you're not ultimately going to try and figure out what they mean. Right. Because right. That that's one thing I've been involved in all my life. You know, just trying to, you know, uh, like one of my friends said from high school when I met him years later at a wedding. He said, "Larry, you were always searching for the meaning of things, and I I can see you think you found something." You know, and that, that's just true. And when he said yeah. that to me, he, he was voted most likely to succeed in our high school class. So <laughs> to hear from this guy that yeah. he's seeing me, a change, like you were searching. Now I think you feel like you found something. That's exactly yeah. true. I do. You know, there, there's no reason to search if you don't think you can find it. I remember when I was a young man, I I put a sign on the side of my my Jeep, Alaska or bust. I was going to go to Alaska and search in my soul. You know, something that you know, everybody should do, but nobody does. And so like Siddhartha, I set off with a sign on the side of my Jeep, Alaska or bust. Interesting. And I knew, because I had a college education at that point, I knew that the philosopher said, you can search for the meaning of life, but you'll never find it. But I thought that's stupid. That's stupid. I, I instinctively believe that life has meaning. And if, if why search for it, if you can't find it, that would be stupid. But I, I didn't go by that. I, and I feel like I have, I, I, I was enlightened that my search hit pay dirt and so when my friend, you know, the most likely to succeed said, I can see you found something. I felt like, well, there's, there's an outside affirmation. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I think so too. I think you're, you're really on to something powerful that can, that, you know, could, could shift, you know, everything as we know it, I think. So I'm really interested to see how your research advances and how other people start to accept your research and uh you know maybe in a couple of years we'll start to see stuff like that in history books which would be really cool um because i don't think like modern history book you don't see this kind of stuff like what you're doing in like a school textbook am i correct yeah you know people say that people say that all the time about robert grant stuff too because he shows uh you know when you see the geometry is meaningful instead of just you got to memorize all this stuff you know and you see this, you know, the flower of life, you see sacred geometry, you see the way things fit. And so a lot of people have remarked, and gee, I wish I would have learned this, you know, when I was in school. But I, I think the same thing about, you know, what you're saying about me and this being taught in school, because I, I, I taught school for a number of years, and I was a pretty popular teacher and stuff, but I don't have any illusions uh, about cracking the educational establishment. It's a very conservative institution, and it's not, it's not yeah. open to new ideas any, anytime yeah. soon. 
just like me thinking about Robert Vival, why are you trying to get the get the notice and the attention of the world's big shots? You know, the National Geographic's, the you know, the the, the Harvard University's. Like, just you've got something. Yeah, that's I, I'm not holding my breath that, 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 that I'm going to make any any major changes in, in the way the world is. I think that, you know, it says in the Proverbs, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. And okay. so, you know, uh, individually, if you, you know, you come to a truth, that, that's the way it happens. And if, if by chance a group of a thousand people or a whole school district or a whole country or a whole discipline is affected. Hey, babe. Hi. <laughs> oh, is that okay? Well, yeah. That's okay. No, it's fine. Hi. We're, 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 Hi. This is my wife, my wife, Lynn. Hey, so we're about winding down anyway, aren't we, Calvin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, we'll, we'll kind of, uh, uh, we'll kind of leave it at that. I just wanted to ask, so you're, you're a poet, am I correct? You, you write some poetry? I do, I do. Yeah, I do put He's things to verse. He's an awesome sometimes. poet. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that's the thing is I watched some of your YouTube videos and I've seen you do some of your poetry and I wanted to ask, do you have a poem that you could maybe read for me and for the audience right now? Well, okay. This, since I wrote this one today, I'll just read this. This was to Robert Grant. Sure. And uh, for those of you who don't know Robert Grant, just uh, look at his uh, Robert Edward Grant uh, at Robert Edward Grant uh, on Instagram. Uh, he's an accomplished. Uh, he, he knows like eight languages. He's an accomplished musician, accomplished artist. Uh, he's a, a polymath. So he's and, and I think he's he's like an amalgam. And I mean this without hyperbole. So sorry if you think this is too hyperbolized, but I think he's an amalgam of. Uh, uh, Leonardo da Vinci and Albert Einstein. So Maybe. he's in that world of, you know, atomic physicists that are brilliant. So here's the poem I wrote today. It's his birthday today. All right. The table was set for 24 or 26 or one more. Aristotle and Plato acted as host. Socrates would give the toast. Handel was late, but Bach on time. Wagner conducted, but who would rhyme? Euclid cube Pythagoras tie, which toth unknotted with 3D pi. Francis said mass, which Albert mixed with holy C squared, draining sticks. Newton applauded, but Feynman was bored. Galileo got planked and Tesla ignored. A conundrum proposed by Fermian born puzzled all, even Maxwell forlorn. What pattern to seat this illustrious crowd? The winner cloaked with fine structure shroud. Heisenberg stumped, so Hawking, Dirac, joining Hermes and Mercury with panic attack. With all at wit's end, who appears on the stage? Robert Edward Grant, the Instagram sage. Start with the spot from which two lines shoot, he says with a tone joining cubit, meter, and foot. Have 26, 24, 10 right angle joints. Seat each by unit except the three points. Then all 27 each find a home, product sum, a laconic tome. So Robert awarded the robe as prize. Eno Neo one, no surprise. So you'd have to see that written to, to catch a lot of the illusions and the the uh, uh, the hidden messages that are there. But uh, that was great. Yeah. So I just and I'm uh, I'm always I always rhyme. So I I'm, I'm incapable of free verse. I always feel like there has to be rules. There has to be right, order. Right. If, I'm, if I'm writing free verse, I figure there's no rules. I can't do it. So I, I always make it rhyme. Yeah. Just, you know, I'm a musician myself. And so I write my own lyrics and stuff. So I'm the same way. I try to make my words rhyme because I, I think it feels weird when I'm writing music and it doesn't rhyme. It just, it's weird. To yeah. Me. If it doesn't rhyme, you got to be subject yourself to some other kind of discipline. Exactly. At least in my opinion, but that's yeah. my, that's my conservative limitation, I guess. So absolutely. All right. Well, Larry, that was an amazing talk. I really had an awesome time and I think I learned a lot from you. I'm gonna pick up your book, 
I'm going to pick up some of your friends' books that you showed, and I'm going to look a little bit more into some of the things that um, you mentioned. And I'm really excited uh, to look more into it and to see see what other things you have to uh, show the audience. And um, is there anything you wanted to uh, tell the audience before you go? Anything you wanted to plug or uh, anything? Well, just like that? you know, if you're you know, uh, we we just had a successful tour to to Egypt. Uh, you know, uh, the the uh, it's Egypt is safe. Uh, you know, we had to be uh, you know test negative for COVID to get into the country and uh, and to come back to the U.S. And we take care of all that on the tour. And then uh, you know, so if you really got it on your bucket list, uh, especially now with you know masks being lifted in a lot of places and stuff, it, by, by October, it looks like the uh, Grand Egyptian Museum should be open. It would be a first historic first to to be there and see that. And so I've got an expedition plan called the Mystery, you know, Mysteries of Egypt in in October. And uh, you know, save up your money and come on that. You know, I, I'm a lot more inexpensive than a lot of these big shots, and uh, we, it will include a two-hour private entrance into the Great Pyramid. So if you if you want to go to places that you can only go through special permission, you know, in the Great Pyramid, then then plan to come on our tour. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to start saving my pennies then because I tell you what, I mean, being able to venture around the pyramid with someone as educated as you would be uh, a dream of mine. But uh, again, Larry. I really appreciate you coming on and I definitely would like to have you on again sometime because I would really like to talk a little bit about uh, your theology and a little bit like that because I just love to talk about religion so maybe sometime we can get in contact and uh, maybe have another discussion about something like that because I just sure but, but and, and I'm glad to do it but I just want to say everything I said today was my religion too in other words you know you saying you're an atheist that's your religion so everybody's spotting their own religion all the time but sure but I'm glad to talk about theology that's fine whatever you want to talk about absolutely <laughs> it's all this I mean, really, you know, because the way I ended that poem, it, when Eno, Neo, and one, Robert Grant often takes those three letters and, and changes the order. So instead of one, O-N-E, you can have Neo, and then he also does something with Eno, like Enoch, Enough, oh, okay. whatever. And so all, all is one. So that's a thing that a lot of alternative groups are into, you know, the, the, this, the, and that's the kind of thing they say we're just not taught in schools. Well, you know, Robert Grant is one that's working hard to, to show, you know, a unified field theory to show that everything is one. Yeah. And so when I'm saying that everything I said is theology, well, it's also, you know, history. It's also my beliefs. It's also archaeology. It's all those things, because if you're really working on truth, it's one, you know, it's, awesome. it's one. So everything is everything, you know, it's. Yeah, uh, definitely. All right. Well, yeah. I guess I won't hold you up for too much longer today, Mr. Paul. I really appreciate you uh, talking to me and I hope to uh, stay in touch with you and learn more about you in the future. But thank you again for okay, coming thanks on. Thanks for having me, Calvin. Okay, bye-bye. Absolutely, bye-bye. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be today's episode. I'm, if I do say so myself, that was a pretty awesome episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And if you're interested in more of Larry Paul's work, you can check Larry out on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You can find him on Instagram at Sage Silent, Twitter at Director AIP, YouTube slash The Great Pyramid AIP, greatpyramid.org, greatpyramid.us. You can find him on Facebook, Larry Paul, or uh, you can find The Great Pyramid on uh, Facebook as well. So be sure to go give them some love. And if you like the content that I'm doing here, once again, I really appreciate you guys for listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast. You can find me on Facebook now. You can look up Unquestionable with Calvin Smith or Unquestionable Podcast, and boom, there's my 
little emblem there. You give me a little like and a follow over there and shoot me a message if you're interested in being a guest or if you have a suggestion for a topic or a guest. I would really appreciate it. Remember to give me some love too. And guys, I'm in the process of setting up a YouTube channel because I was actually able to record this Zoom conversation video as well. So I'm hoping to get some content over onto YouTube soon as well. But for now, I do have a channel set up, but with no videos at the moment. So you can go check me out, Unquestionable Podcast, on YouTube. And I'm hoping within the next uh, maybe couple interviews, uh, I will try to get some more content up on that YouTube page. And with that, guys, I really appreciate you guys for listening. Let me know if you learned something new. Uh, I would really be interested to know or maybe your thoughts on something. And that's going to be it for today. So I'll catch you guys next week. I've got a really awesome guest lined up for next week and the week after and the week after, guys. I have guests lined up for the next couple weeks. I'm really excited to share these guys' thoughts with you. But for now, guys, I'll leave it at that. And remember, question everything.